Good morning for Oaks Church. It's Pastor Paul here on a Tuesday, May 17th it is, and so glad that you've joined us. We call um, these times we spend in the Word, Monday through Friday, every 10 or 15, for 10 or 15 minutes every morning, we call these Romans Rewind. It's because we're running concurrently with our series on Sunday mornings at Four Oaks Killarn as we're preaching through the book of Romans. And we find ourselves in the middle of Romans 9. And um, this past Sunday, we were looking at a very um, hard passage, a very straightforward passage um, about the potter and the clay. And here Paul is using this analogy of the potter and the clay to talk about the nature of our relationship with God in terms of his sovereignty and our dependence upon him. So let me read the passage again, and we're going to make some comments on this. Um, this is verse 19, Romans um, chapter 9. Here we go. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to me, um, why, why, let me start that again. Well, what is mold to say to its molder? Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory. So the relevant text here, verse 21, has the potter no right over the clay? So let's define our terms. Who is the potter in this analogy? It is obviously God. Um, who is the clay or what is the clay? We are the clay. People are clay. And Paul is basically stating a very a clear, um, um, a metaphor that's very clear in what he's attempting to say, that in relationship to God, he is the creator, we are the created. And because of that, um, it's, it's only in him that we live, move, and have our being. It's only in him that we find our purpose. And Paul's just affirming God's prerogative as the sovereign creator to create dependent creatures um, in the fashion that he desires to create them. Now, once again, Paul is not coming up with these metaphors or examples out of thin air or, or, or on his own. Paul is well-versed um, in the scriptures, particularly, the, obviously, the Old Testament scriptures. And there could be a number of passages he has in mind because this potter clay metaphor is all over the Old Testament. One of the passages that we didn't look at um, this past Sunday is from Isaiah 29. If you have your Bibles, you can open them there. And in verses 15 and 16 of Isaiah 29, Paul's echoing some of these very same themes. And, and again, just, uh, just an encouragement for us, something for us to kind of aspire to. Paul is so familiar with the Old Testament scriptures that as he is writing, dictating this letter, these scriptures, obviously inspired by the Holy Spirit, are just sort of tumbling out of his mouth. 
I mean, you cannot throw a dart at the book of Romans and not hit an Old Testament scripture. I think in almost every chapter, if not every chapter, there are multitudes of Old Testament quotations and citations and verses. And, and Paul's just drawing from these in a very rich way. And we want to be, um, we want to grow in our knowledge of the scriptures, right? We want to be able to um, be conversant in them. We want to be able to um, have them sort of come out as second nature. You know, a lot of times um, we who are sports fans, we're so immersed in sports that we can recall dates and times and games and circumstances, and we can converse about it without having to prepare beforehand at all. That's the way Paul was with the scriptures. That's the way we want to be. And so Paul um, has Isaiah 29 in mind as he is writing in Romans 9. Let's, look, let's read Isaiah 29, verse 15. Ah, you who hide deep from the Lord your counsel, whose deeds are in the dark, and who say, who sees us, who knows us, you turn things upside down. Shall the potter be regarded as the clay, that the thing made should say of its maker, he did not make me? Or the thing formed say of him who formed it, he has no understanding. Now, when we've been talking about this potter clay metaphor in Romans 9, we've been talking about it in relationship to salvation, because that's the context Paul's addressing it in, right? Um, that God makes some, um, that some, some people are prepared as vessels of mercy, because God in his sovereign grace saves them uh, despite their sinfulness. There's others that are fit or prepared for destruction, um, meaning God leaves them, passes over them in their sinful state. And he does this because of his own glory and wanting to display his, his righteousness and power and glory to his vessels of mercy. Well, we want to expand that thought process just for a minute and, and realize that in the context that these Old Testament texts are given about the potter and clay, um, they apply obviously very much to salvation, but they also apply to a broader sphere as well. And we want to make sure that we don't forget the broader context here, or else we will walk away from these potter clay texts missing the whole point, arguing about what it means to be clay or arguing about what it means to be the potter or how does this work exactly in salvation or et cetera. When and the reality is, the scripture writers are just wanting to, for us to take and make a proper estimate of ourselves in relationship to God. That even as we are made in the image of God, even as we are um, sons of God, even as we are created not, not just in God's image and his likeness, but we are, we are created, fitted for his mercy, yet at the same time, we are still finite. We are still temporary. We are still clay. And when we forget that, we will make catastrophic mistakes in our life. We will, um, we, if we have the um, misinformed notion that we, in fact, are the potter, right, then we will intersect with God and the world and the people around us in a way that misunderstands who we fundamentally are. Are. Now, a good passage in the New Testament that talks about this using another metaphor is James chapter 4. 
Um, so flip over there if you can. And this is a great passage to think about in relationship to how we are to live our lives, the posture that we are to have towards God as clay, all right? Knowing that he is the potter, we are the clay. How does that knowledge of that metaphor, how does that drip down and bleed into our lives? How does that make a difference, not just as an argumentative point of theology related to the sovereignty of God and salvation, but as a practical point for how we're to live our lives? James gives us um, some direction here. Look at James chapter 4, beginning at verse 13. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So Paul's, um, James sets up this scenario where this person, this independent, self-sufficient, autonomous person who sort of views himself as the, the potter of his life. He's making, creating, he's going, he's making things happen. He's going here, he's going there. Um, he's got his life ordered and planned out. He says, today or tomorrow, we will do this. We will go there. We will spend a year here. We will trade this. We will make a profit. And let's be honest, that's the place all of us naturally gravitate to. We want to view ourselves as sort of the masters of our domain, of, of people who are in control of their lives. In other words, we sort of act functionally like potters. And we act like the world is our clay. So James gives a warning. He says, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. See, the potter knows what tomorrow will bring. The clay never knows what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. What a humbling reminder, right? I remember when my mom used to set up the vaporizer in our rooms growing up to give uh, moisture in the air, um, that moisture would fly into the air, it would land on the carpet, and it would dissipate almost instantly, be gone the next morning. James says that's what our life is like. And so often when we forget we're the potter, that we, when we forget we're not the potter, but we in fact are the clay, we live our lives as if they'll last forever. We live our lives as if our lives are not a mist. Um, and it can breed a sort of self-sufficiency arrogance that um, we, although we intellectually know it's not true, it feels as if it's true, right? That we have control over our lives. But James says, here's the posture you should have instead. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. What does that mean? Planning is great. Organization is great. Mastering our spheres of influence are great, but they're always to be done with a measure of humility, with a measure of dependence, with a posture of saying, Lord, this is what I'm planning.